Everyone, welcome back to another podcast episode. And today I have Amber Hurdle with me, who I met in Miami. And um, if you haven't already seen it, which you might not have, because I don't think the video has been released yet, but um, opened the show with an absolute um, carnival, should we say. And we uh, <laughs> woke everybody else up. So that was one way to do it and got everyone's attention. But um, Amber is a, a brand specialist, a marketing sort of guru, and everything else that you want to wrap around it. But um, we had a fantastic lunch when we were in Miami and, you know, we jammed it out for a good hour, hour and a half. And um, I just thought I had to get her on my podcast. So welcome, Amber. Well, thanks for having me on. And and if you haven't listened to Ryan's episode on my podcast, you'll have to scope that out too, because he's got tons of brilliance to offer in terms of just STRVR, but also just really living life the way that um, a high achieving entrepreneur should be living. And that's the Bombshell Business Podcast. Correct. Yeah. Get the, oh, there's so many podcast names. Everyone just kind of throws them out there. Yeah. <laughs> so many. But uh, but let's dive into you. I mean, uh, I want this to be about you. I think um, I sat and watched and listened to everything you said on stage in Miami, and a lot of it resonated. And you know when someone sort of, you know, an expert in their field. And then they're saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I'm sat there going, okay, I'll do that. I do that. I do that. So it was quite a, there was obviously definitely bits that I took away. Um, but I, I think my marketing and brand awareness is definitely more probably on point than most. 100%. Um, but I guess that's because I've just studied it and a bit like you just went deep into it. And I actually love that side of the business. I love the marketing side of the business. I think if I could spend anywhere in terms of I had to choose one department, that would probably be it for me. Um, so I think that benefits me and has certainly helped me grow. Um, and I know you're going to shed your light on that as well. But um, I think on stage, there were so many like, golden nuggets that you were saying that I, I actually think a lot of people it might have gone over the head a bit because it was you know maybe a bit a bit too too advanced in the marketing <laughs> and I know um you know that's that's not disrespectful to anyone I just think a lot of people in this space they rely too much on the OTAs that they don't mm -hmm. feel like they need to do any marketing or any brand development so they don't and therefore they don't really hone that skill in so Hopefully today you can drop some bombshells. Uh, no problem. And we can dive into it. So let's just start with, you know, what is, you know, well, who are you and, and, and where have you come from? Let, let's dive there first. You know, what's your personal story? <laughs> well, um, I do have to get in the Wayback Machine to just make what I do relevant. Um, so when I was 16 years old, um, I was the good girl. And I was on the news at 6 and 10 every night for a week among about a dozen other kids in Middle Tennessee that were high achievers, leaders in our schools and our communities. And, um, and they were having conversations with us that were conversations they were trying to convey weren't being had with parents and their kids. So I was brought in for racism because I'd just moved from California to Tennessee and was trying to combat that with my own little influence. So this just kind of give you that background, good girl, found out I was knocked up at 16. So when you're a child having a child, <laughs> that like really starts speeding up things for you in terms of thinking of your future. And like, I'm not thinking about prom, I'm thinking about like making this kid get to 18 in one whole piece. So what I learned very early on 
was that how I positioned myself, that if I could figure out what other people saw in me and like, I can just really do more of that because I'm a hot mess express behind the scenes. I have ADD, like my personality profile is always really big and, you know, um, I could get in my own way, but being a young mom, first of all, I had to overcome some of that and create some learned behaviors. And then from the branding side, just to get like an extra shift at the Applebee's, like I had to make sure I knew how to position myself. So back then I had no clue what branding was, but eventually I started getting better and better at it, at these jobs that I had. And I was like, you know what? I should probably go get this degree, like this piece of paper that says I can do this. And, um, you know, just over the years I've worked mostly my, my specialty is internal public. So, um, that could be like when I worked in the country music industry, that was fans. It was the radio DJs, um, at a gym, it's members at, um, at a university, it's alumni. It could be fans. Like there's just so many different things, or it can be employees. So if we fast forward to, I mean, I've been in hospitality since the day I could walk because my mom's a chef and my dad's a drummer. So you can imagine I had a very normal childhood, but probably the most significant recent experience where I left to start my own business was Gaylord Opryland. And I had the internal PR firm that was for just employee happiness and engagement. And so when Marriott came in and, and took over, um, and we merged brands. I was on the leadership team for the whole brand to merge both of these employer brands and communicate and, and make it safe and um, help people understand the opportunity that came with a merger such as that and or an acquisition, just depending on how you look at that. But at the Opryland level, like that was my baby. And I mean, I still have a book like this big for Marriott of like all the different things that we had to do to incorporate those brands because what we knew for a fact was if our employees were happy, they would serve our guests. If our employees understood our brand, what we're promising the world as Gaylord Hotels, if they were bought into that, now we have 3,500 brand advocates who are living that brand promise and delivering it to the consumer. And then you have happy consumers. So that was kind of a long background, but like from knocked up at 16 to leading the Marriott buyout of <laughs> Gaylord Hotels from a management rights perspective, it was a journey. Yeah, for sure. And um, it, it is amazing when you interview people and entrepreneurs, how everyone's journey is like so different, um, but they all kind of, I think, have very similar sort of things, of, you know, like just backing themselves, really honing in on a certain topic or skill and, and just getting better and better and better and better at it and probably just testing and failing quite a lot as well I think is a big thing which you know I don't think you see too much of with the old Instagram posts and you know all the hey look at me site posts and I think we're all guilty of it but really behind the scenes there's like a lot of fuck me I failed at that and shit <laughs> and, and, and it's like you know but that's part of it and I think if you listen to any kind of motivational sort of speakers you know, they always say, you know, you learn more from your failings. And I know that's definitely true for me. But I think one thing that really um, hit home for me, and you've mentioned already, is this employer brand. And a lot of people, I think it, the industry we're in it is very easy to get frustrated, whether you're getting frustrated with your guests or you're getting frustrated with your staff who maybe aren't um, what you perceive delivering the results that you need, i.e. that five-star customer experience at all times. Um but I think the culture of any business is super, super important. And 
that's definitely one of the things that I think was coming from your talk when, when you're in Miami. And do you want to just dive into that a bit and, you know, that employer brand and how it starts there? Yeah, sure. So let's just go all the way to um, I'm a candidate and I am thinking about applying to your company. That's where that employee experience begins. So what does that look like online? There are some companies in this industry and they're killing it, but it's like their website says, oh, we're a great place to work. And then like, here's some testimonials on our website. But if you go to any other place on the interwebs to try to prove that through a third party opinion, you can't find it. And so just like your personal brand, as Jeff Bezos says, is what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. Your employer brand is what people are saying about what it's like to work for you. And so you kind of have, it's like you have to have your Amazon reviews, right? You can't just say it on your own website. So having some kind of a talent acquisition marketing plan where you are conscious about brand building externally when, when you're talking about your culture and everything that you offer and your, your total um, employee experience. So that's external. Now I've applied. How much friction is in that application process? I mean, we're all about like UX and we want our customer experience to be easy and they shouldn't have to click through too many times. But the minute somebody applies at our company, it's like, it's coagulation. It's ridiculous. And then you ask them to jump through all these hoops and, and then that's crazy. Like that's not a welcome to this company and this brand. If we don't treat our team members like we treat our customers, then how are they going to know how to treat your customers? Like it just doesn't make sense. So we've got to have that interview process dialed. We have to make sure that we're hiring um, for the behavioral needs of that particular um, a job. Like nobody needs to give you or I the job where our fingers on the nuke button. Like that's not our spiritual gift, right? <laughs> that's not a good use of our time and how and and our experiences and um and our pedigree. So so we have to get that part right, and then we have to onboard them. So we have attract and we have onboard, and so many people quit their jobs within the first 90 days and it's getting worse and worse and worse. There's this ghosting thing that's happening right now, but most of the time it's because like the recruiter or the hiring manager promised them the sun, moon and stars and they sold them the culture and like everything suns and roses. And then they get onboarded. And it's like, there's your desk. The office supplies are in the corner. Call Marge if you need something and get started. And it's like, okay, so now I don't even feel like I can be successful in this role. So I'm out. I'm going to go find a place where I feel good about my contributions. So that's on board. And then the engaged side of things, like we have to communicate. We have to recognize recognition and um, professional development are two of the biggest drivers for employee satisfaction in the coming year. If you don't even have something that's tangible, that is something that all of your managers can repeat. They don't have to ask permission to do this thing. Like it's, it's an expectation that we recognize our team members in these ways and here's your budget and here's whatever that looks like. Um, there's so much in that. That's like where the, the bounty of your employee experience is going to be is in that engage phase. And then we have, of course, um, the offboarding phase. And this is where a lot of C-suite members get a little lost. They're like, oh, that's an HR function. No, my friend, even the offboarding function of the employee experience is, is going to impact your brand because 
when somebody leaves and you don't have a plan for Susie and Bob and Cheryl over here to take things over, now they're going to be burdened. Now they're not having a good time working. They're wondering if you're going to backfill that or if you're going to hold off until the economy is better. There's all this uncertainty. There's fear on your team already. Plus they're overworked. Now this person is going to go talk smack about you, leave a nasty gram on Glassdoor, tell the 15 people that they engage with regularly on a week to week basis that you suck. And now when somebody else goes, oh, you used to work there. I was thinking about applying there. They're like, oh, hell no, don't do that. Your brand, I mean, you can have an alumni program where everyone who used to work for you can celebrate that, you know what, we didn't have a place for you to grow while you were here, but we celebrate you going over there to keep growing. And we're always your family. And we're going to just keep you up to speed with what's happening in our brand. That way they might refer people to you. They might come back, but they sure as heck know what's going on in your business and can still be a brand advocate. So that's, that's the four step process that we take people through. It's vital. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> if we kind of look at it from a a short-term rental point of view, I think one of the biggest the biggest struggles for any short-term rental business, whether you you know of scale anyway, is is obviously cleaners and the recruitment mm-hmm. of those cleaners. Now, you don't necessarily bring them onto the books because for whatever reason they don't want to be, or you know a lot of them are freelancers or they're agencies. Mm-hmm. So, how what would be you know? Because I know my audience is very much that would be a a struggle for them right now. So. Uh, and ongoing constantly, to be fair. So how would you, a few quick tips to sort of tackle that from a employer brand type process where you're not actually recruiting them fully into the business, but they are vital to your business success. Yeah. I love the term um, our friends over at Better Talent came up with. They call it the talent stack. And, And so you're not an unofficial business because you don't have all like on on payroll employees, you're going to have a variety of consultants and, um, you know, freelancers and that sort of thing. And that's what this is, but it's still your team. So my first recommendation, or let me just ask a question. Who do you go to the mat for? Like, who do you give that discretionary effort for? Is it the person who treats you like a robot with a checklist? Or is it the person who treats you and like a human and they know you and they ask about your life and like, wouldn't you be more friendly in your help to a friend than somebody just, I mean, that's kind of like basic, but we forget because we get so busy in the, in the business. So one thing that I love to do, and I can give you a copy of this, Ryan, if you want to share it with anyone, um, we have a favorite things survey. And anytime somebody comes on board, whether they're 1099 or W2, that's the language in the United States, um, contractor or full-time employee, we still have them fill it out. And all of our customers do as well. And it just gives you some ideas of how you can interact with, recognize, play a favorite song, leave a bag of candy because somebody did something nice for you. It helps you understand like, you know, well, who's in their family? And and then you can get to know your team member and then you can discover and delight like, oh, you did a great job on, you know, you, you got, you turned all these houses in this one day, which made our life easier. And just send them something like a little something, you know, via text or something. Recognition and good job goes so far. And just baseline, trying to create a relationship where you can tell them like how valued they are. It is not fun or easy cleaning toilets. And most of these women are probably single moms. So now they're probably doing the work of people that should be helping them with it. They're scrubbing toilets, they're on their knees so they can make a life for their children. And they're 
bad mamma jammas. So honor that in them and they'll put you ahead of everybody else. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think um, th there's, you know, great tips in there. I think um, the way that we are, and this is something I don't do, but even just what you said there, you know, the way technology is, you can literally just text somebody something, an Amazon voucher or a, mm -hmm. you know, just, just something little. And, you know, as you say, it doesn't need to be loads. It just needs to be that recognition that, Hey, we got a five star on that property you cleaned today. Thank you very much. Or we've had three five stars in a row or, you know, and because I think one of the, one of the biggest pain for, for, you know, I know for me personally, speaking personally is, you know, we, we do go through cleaners because especially the last year it's been like, Oh, well, they're offering 50 pence more per hour. So I'm going over there now. And right. you know, there's very little loyalty there and, and you do lose them. And, and then there's some come back and some don't, and you're just constantly on that wheel. And then it's, the downtime of training or well, you need to use this app and we've got a recruit and um it all costs money it's costing you money all that downtime the the other thing though to keep in mind with um any employee but especially someone who might feel like they're on the outside a little bit is show them where they fit into the big picture when when you say like wow you you got five star reviews in the past three houses that you cleaned i want you to understand that that alone, just your ability to turn that room and for people to be satisfied because of the job that you've done, that is what makes our brand what it is. That's what helps us like create jobs for everyone on this team. Like you're so important to that process. And that's not manipulative. That is the truth. And like, that's how we have to start thinking about things in our brain is, you know, we want to seduce all of our customers, but we're not seducing our own team to like believe in the bigger picture. That's what a brand is, is the representation of what it is that we offer to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Vital. I think um, from a, from a leadership point of view, I mean, how, how involved would you say, I guess it depends on company size, but you know, the bigger you get, I guess the more disconnected you kind of do get from ops. I know I personally fall probably foul of that, you know, because it's not that you don't want to get involved in it. It's just, you know, as we always say, working on your business is you know more important than working in it at times. Of course. Um, yeah. So I guess how do you bridge that gap of um, I'm the CEO, I'm not really involved now. I don't know your names. I don't know this. I don't know that. I mean, I guess, my the way we do is obviously try and get the managers to actually relay that but sometimes that impact you know i know when i do so i have two awards each month i have my ceo employee of the month which is one voted from me and then we have the employees employee so they all the that so um i don't know which one they prefer but um you know i know they both they both go down well every single month with with the staff but um i guess it's trying to what we don't do and you know i'll put my hand up is you know we probably don't reward our cleaners enough in terms of uh you know for what they do and i think it's bridging that because a lot of them are agencies so mm -hmm. they don't actually give us the direct contact with that cleaner because i think they think we're going to steal them so it's like oh well we'll organize them and you just pay us and here's your invoice so it takes away that ability at times to, to be that personal and obviously reward that individual yeah well and then in that way too and i mean so many do work with agencies um, it is working directly with the agency and saying like, we would like to host a, you know, barbecue or whatever that is. Um, I don't, you know, obviously that's going to be different depending on the agency and how they've got their business set up and whatever walls they might have up, but you could even send something through them where they're hosting it. And it's from, you know, Luke Capital Group. Yeah. Um, I think, 
you know, as you were talking about your recognition, first of all, I love that. And I, I do, I think there is some great value to the CEO selected and then my peers selected. I think that's a nice balance. Um, but when you're thinking about having different layers, even if you're, you know, like you have your C-suite and then managers and then frontline employees, like even if that's the levels that you have and, and no, you know, directors or things like that, you need to think about the business. Like, so from an employer brand st standpoint, you have the business, the voice of the business to its employees is going to be a little more familiar, likely a little more fun than that voice is going to be to the external facing customer or guest. So come up with the voice for the company, the announcements, the, you know, here's open enrollment, the, you know, whatever the communication is. Then you have to have a voice of your senior most leader. So like, obviously for you, it would, it would really be nice for you to send out an email letter around holidays, um, around bonus time. So yeah, they're going to get notifications from the company, but they're going to get messages from their CEO. You could do um, webcasts where you, you know, just record a video and you send that out. Some of the largest companies in the country were having CEOs just pop up their iPhones, nothing fancy in their homes during the shutdowns through COVID. So like nothing has to be fancy, but it just yeah. shows that you care. And, and I'll add too. sometimes I'll sit in on meetings and I'm like, cringe. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do like a webinar with your team or like an all team meeting and you're, and you're going to announce financial success, start first with the senior most leader or whoever is announcing the financial success, thanking your team for everything that they do every single day that empowers you to be able to talk about these positive results. Start there. Then you can announce all the great things that you did, but continue that theme of we've all contributed to this. Not like, oh, senior leaders, we're super smart. We're on our ivory tower and we're winning. And this is what you need to hear about how great we're doing. Like, no, down to the housekeeper. That's a, that's a critical part of success for an SDR. And then sandwich it on the back end with, you know, we're, we're going to keep driving. We know sometimes we get tired. We know sometimes things are frustrating. We're here to provide you with the tools and um all the resources that you need to deliver this guest satisfaction that we've all committed to as a company. So it's like open with recognition, talk about how you won, remind them. And by the way, you did that and then sandwich it with, and we're going to ex continue to expect this level of excellence. And that way you have stallions running with stallions and everybody's on the same page that we like winning. And we're going to keep trying to do that together. That's a healthy employer brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, um, about two years ago, I, Obviously, when I started the business, it was just me and I was doing all the posts from my profiles and, you know, and that was just it. And, and then it was it was just just me, really. But about about yeah, two years ago, I was like, I, I felt like we weren't just me anymore. No one was getting the recognition. And really <laughs> at that point, I'd almost like stepped stepped out of the, the business, the upside and all of the the not, the not so fun stuff that they do day in, day out. And, you know, um but at the end in the day, I'm like, I can't have this business if you guys don't do that. And you should be getting the reward, not me. So I made that big shift to being like, you know, it's no longer the Ryan Luke show. Right. It's Luke Capital Group and everybody that's in it. And that's why we rebranded and we kind of became this group because we had a few different companies within it. And it's kind of like, well, you know, everybody that works in the Luke Stays department and drives the accommodation business, like they are the heroes, really, not me. Mm -hmm. You know. 
they're the ones that day in day out are dealing with the problems and solving the problems and um and yeah it was it's a very conscious shift for me that and you know i just now make sure that it's it's not about me it is very much about the team and you know trying to pass all that back on to them but it was helpful i think for you to grow your personal brand first because once you realize that oh, okay we need to have a broader you know, external business brand, and I need to start really honing in my employer brand, you naturally had that personal brand that you could just plop right on top. So everyone in the business, especially leaders, have a personal brand. People are going to say something about you when you're not in the room. You may as well make sure that you're proactively trying to get them to say the things you want them to believe about you. The things that are true, like we're not doing a PR campaign here. Like We're not trying to say we're something we're not, but who we are on the inside and the value that we offer should be understood by others. And so since you had that, it was it's it's better for a brand for the senior most leader to have that really strong like we know what to expect from you we know what your temperament is we know how you make decisions we know like what you're really great at i mean you just said earlier that you love the marketing side the branding side of things well heck yeah like you and i are rule breakers we like to build things and break things and then like figure it out that doesn't intimidate us so that is the highest and best use of you and now your team knows that okay well we've got to do these other things that is taking Ryan away from that visioning and that pushing the brand forward. And now we all understand we're on the same team. And, and I'll say, um, I think it's uh, Gerald Zaltman. He's a Harvard professor and he did a study and, and he wrote a book and he said that 95% of purchasing decisions are actually made with the subconscious mind. That's, that's a big number. And so we think that we make choices in a very logical manner, but most of us don't. <laughs> and so if you think that we're making purchasing decisions as an external, like a guest, like I'm going to stay at this property or I'm going to jo join um, Loot Capital Group as, um, as a franchisee, those are emotional decisions. Well, so is a choice to stay with the brand that you're employed by. That's very, just think about all the drama that happens when, when you separate from a company, like your manager's upset, you're upset, nobody needs to be upset. This is just like the end of the season, but it's because there is so much emotion attached to our identity in our careers, especially in the United States, that if you're not hitting those emotional triggers with your team, you're failing just as much as you are externally with your branding and marketing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes total, total sense. And I think a lot of a lot of people don't and you know me included um you know a while ago you you just plug you, you know plug a number into the machine type you know oh, we need somebody to fill that problem because we're overwhelmed it's like can you fog a mirror <laughs> i mean we've actually like literally today gone through the same thing so um i am uh, employing an fd um i found someone interviewed them they've been interviewed by um, an external company uh, everything ticks the box and they came to the office today in Dubai to sign the contract. And everybody in the office was like, whoa, like, who is this? And then I've had two people who, like, you know, very close to, to me in that office sort of saying, I don't think this is a good move. Like, I think they'll upset the culture of the office. Um, you know, are you, are you sure about it? So um, we've actually withdrawn the contract because so smart. for me, whilst I need an FD to, to be plugged in, I don't need an FD for three months before it like unsettles the whole team. And then I have to go, I'm sorry, it hasn't worked out or, you know, or I lose some core members of the team. So for me, it's like, 
I'll just wait a bit longer to find the right person. We go back to the recruitment and we, um, and we find, but that is definitely something I've learned over time. Me three years ago would have been like, oh, I'll be fine. Just get him in and you know, <laughs> we'll you figure know, it out. <laughs> he'll, he'll come our way. But, and it was just a few little things that has made everybody kind of think he's not going to be the right fit for what we got going down here, you know, and they've worked in the business for quite some time. So they know the culture, they know how we work. They know how I work. And that for me was a really proud moment today because it shows that my team are actually also looking after the culture of everybody right. and, and not just sort of like, oh, well, I'm here to work and I don't really care what he's doing or they're doing. They're all very much like a family out there and that's kind of how we want it. And, um, but and that is a reflection of an employer brand that is super strong because you know, we work so hard to promote our brands and then we forget that it is our duty every day to protect our brands and your team was protecting your brand. One of the exercises that we take people through is just like, well, if they need it, we'll help them build out their ideal customer profiles. Like, you know, what is that person? What drives them? What scares them? How do they make purchasing decisions? Like what's their demographic? You know, all, all that kind of stuff. What other brands are they drawn to? So we, we'll do that for the external customer, but we also build out ideal employee profiles. And then we, you know, look back at the culture. What are the values? What are the mission, the vision? What is your employer value proposition? Um, would this person appreciate those things? Like, where are you in the marketplace? Like, what size business are you? You have to make sure that you understand the right type of person. And I know people are like, oh, Lord, Amber, like, have you not noticed that it's hard to hire right now? And I'm, I'm here to say I know 0.5 applicants per open position in the United States. And I apologize to everyone internationally that I don't have statistics for you. But the, the end game is if you do create an employer brand that's amazing, it's easier for you to attract talent because that team inside is also going to be telling people like, this is the best place to work. You've got to come work where I work. There's going to be a brand out in, in the employment space. Like vacation rental is like the smallest big industry ever. Everybody knows everybody. And I'll tell you just in my short time in this industry, you know, I came from hotels and F&B and events. When people get let go, I get, because I'm a coach and I'm speaking this, I get, I see the email. I see the the horrible way that people are let go. And guess what? I'm probably not the only person being shown that. So I think we're just at a stage where we can no longer deny the fiscal impact on our businesses of dropping our employer brand. Yeah, yeah, I think, and and as you grow, I think, you know, well, the minute it becomes not just you, which you know, <laughs> is 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 probably the starting point, but definitely once you start, you know, a handful of staff. And I think with this industry, you know, if you do it right, you do scale quite quickly. And, you know, basically from from day one, you are going to be employing cleaners, you know, and mm -hmm. they as you know, are well they and maybe are maybe some engineers. Yeah. And and they might you might not see them as part of your company because you're just externally employing them, but they are you know, part of your operation now. And then obviously you build your internal team out as you get busier and want to move away from the ops and, you know, and build the business. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's vitally important. And um, there's certainly things I'm going to take away from this. It's been absolutely amazing um, as usual. You know, I think there's so many golden nuggets and for anyone listening who is building teams or even just getting into the STR space, when you're working with your cleaners, you know, think about it and, I know um, I can see Chris has left a comment on LinkedIn and I know he works very hard with his 
internal cleaning team to deliver on, you know, his luxury villas down in the south of France. And, um, you know, and, and I think it is something that is very difficult for, for like, say, my business isn't all in one place. It's very remote. So yeah. we're dealing with a lot of different um, people. So we have that added um, issue to, to overcome, but it's not like it can't be overcome because, you know, it's not like we're in horse and cart days anymore. You know, <laughs> we, we, we can always um, technology. Right. Yeah, technology. I think that's so huge right now. And it's it's having conversations where those people are going to want to have conversations. And so some people that's Slack, some people have, you know, texting apps. There are, you know, employee centric apps for communication that you can, you know, brand your own. There are lots of options out there. It could be Microsoft Teams, whatever that is. But when you've got people in the field, like you know, hopefully they have a cell phone. And then I know people put like iPads in the houses for the housekeepers to use to log into their system. Like just make sure that that it's it's an easy thing for people to receive communication and to feel like they can communicate back for that, you know, two-way street experience most people want to have when they're going to work every day. Yeah. It's um no, it's been it's been fantastic. What's um as we come to wrap up, what's next on the cards for you? Where are you gonna be? What's what's I know you Hopping around shows and shows. I am, yeah. So I have a little bit of travel left. Um, I've got some back-to-back stuff. So like quick in, quick out. And then um, then there's just a lot of behind the scenes employer branding work that we're doing with some companies, some really big uh, shifts and redoing career pages and that sort of thing. And then we're going to start, um, or we have already started putting our founding 50 subscribers together for the employer brand central hub. And you know, not everyone, especially some of the size businesses that you've talked about, can afford to fly me in and put me on retainer and that sort of thing. So we just looked at, well, how can we give the tools and the templates and and all of that to people at an affordable level? So we we have a subscription based program and you get, um, you know, all access to quarterly training from us as well. So that's not an added thing. Of course, it would be virtual. Everything's discounted once you're behind the the velvet rope, as I like to put it. And we're just going to really obsess over our first 50 subscribers and then decide, like, what do we need to do differently to help people move through those four areas of the employer brand loop and um, be successful. And is that live now or is that still in the it is live now. Yes, you can you can join now. But I would say um, email me amber at amberhurdle.com because I think, you know, this this founding 50 group, it's it's worth a conversation to make sure that you're a fit. I want to, you know, and you will get me part of the onboarding process is I'm going to meet with your senior most leader. We're going to look at your goals. We're going to look at, I mean, your financial uh, future. We're going to look at like how how much are you going to scale in your business? How much you're going to scale in your employees? And then we'll put we'll put a plan of action, like an annual plan together for you. And then my project manager will meet with whoever the block and tackle person is. So I think for me, it's really important that there's real human help because we're dealing with humans. <laughs> this isn't like an automated type thing because everyone's different and, and every culture is different. And we need to honor that in um, strategic and customized ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, that's definitely one thing. Moving my whole gig to Dubai, you know, we've got so many different cultures in the office, and yeah, <laughs> it's great. You know, it is. It's it's great, and we can. Um, it really opens your eyes to be to more cultures, you know, and understanding a lot about di- the way that you know different cultures work and uh, fasting you know, days. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff to honor. Yeah, even just you know people going for prayer middle of the day, things like that. You know, and it's just. Um, 
you know, um, smoking breaks. A lot of the Arabs love to smoke. <laughs> you know? Whereas in the UK now, smoking's pretty much like, a, you know, hardly anyone does it. So yeah, you, know, you don't lose <laughs> time on that one. Whereas like they want to be out like nearly every twenty minutes. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's all fun. I think business is all fun in a, in a way, and um, you know, we constantly develop and, and move. But um, so. Um, where do you typically hang out? LinkedIn's your your main gig, right? Yeah, I'm terrible at all the other ones. I might post my food or something, but I'm on LinkedIn every day. And again, because I'm about creating emotional connection and relationships, and I'm not really into sharing cat videos. I'd rather talk about business. So LinkedIn yeah. for me. <laughs> and, um, you're probably not going to be there, but I'm I'm going to be in Nashville, which is your current hometown, and uh-huh. in March. Um, so if you are around, then I'll pop in. So I might pop. Yeah, I, I've got to think about it. It's not really, um, it's going to be an amazing event and I've heard nothing but great things about it, but I'm not sure if the attendees are really the, um, my audience. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we, we shall see. But thank you very much for your time. Uh, I know it's super early, so um, I'm going to let you get on with your day and I'm going to wrap my day up. But um, as always, um, you know, the, the podcast, it is sponsored by IPRAC and the Luke Stays Academy. And if you do want to reach out to Amber, definitely connect with her on LinkedIn. Uh, follow her stuff. She is amazing. And um, thank you very much for sharing everything today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's always good to see you. Take care.